Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, April 11th edition of the show. And oh boy, Jake, we've got we've we got actually way, have a lot. We've got way more to talk about today than I than I anticipated, than I saw coming. So we don't need to spend an hour talking about fighting and hockey? Oh yeah. So to everyone who who hung in there with us for the last episode, we we salute you. We appreciate you. It was a topic that we felt it, that needed to be addressed, and um, hopefully, hopefully it stuck. Hopefully, we stuck the landing. But this week, we've got actual news items to talk about. So, I think that where we're going to start is, to me, the biggest news, which is Ryan Getzlaff announcing his retirement. We haven't had a chance to talk about that yet. And then today, some late breaking news, thanks to uh, Elliot Tiford of the Orange County Register reporting that Dallas Aikens is going to be back next year, at least for one more year, with a formal announcement to come later in the week from GM Pat Verbeek. And then lastly, we've got some college free agent stuff to talk about. So I think we should just get right into it. Although I do want to point out that uh, we are both rocking Angels hats today. I bought my first ever Angels hat over the weekend yesterday, went to an Angels game. And I got to say this, I, I want to I put this out there and I hope... I really hope I'm not offending anyone, but we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna get at it, get after it early here. Angel Stadium hot dogs. I give them a healthy six out of ten. You know, didn't you go higher than that in Discord? Yeah, I said six point seven, but upon further review, uh, after after video review, I've decided to lower that to six out of ten. Wow, wow, bold yeah. take there. They were just too. I mean, they're just. They need to. They need to be a bit more substantial. Like well, I had. Well, what, wa- did, what did you put on it? Let, let's get there quick. Chopped onions, raw okay. chopped onions. That's it. Okay. No, Nothing else. no, no ketchup, no mustard, just raw chopped onions. Yeah, I think that's the go-to because the the acidity of the onions helps cut through the greasiness of oh. the of the dog. <laughs> Ali gets saying starting another episode with hot dog talk. Wow, <laughs> I did not even think about that. Have we done wow. that? Have we done this before? Uh, I mentioned we talked about hot dogs at the start of last episode because of uh, Tyson Nash. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, well, look, there. It's a fine dog, no, no issues really, but also nothing spectacular. And yeah. this pains me to say because no one likes the Dodgers except Dodger fans, but Dodger dogs are actually kind of good. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I'll I'll leave it at that. But, yeah, but, a, I, but a fun time. Enjoyed Angel Stadium. They they actually had uh, up on the Jumbotron, or I, I don't know what you call it, the big screen, Getzlaff's uh, retirement announcement. So just a fun time overall, despite the team not being yeah, very good. Yeah, I just really need to quickly say that, yeah, going only onions is not the right call. Though. You got to go ketchup, mustard, onions, jalapenos. Whoa. Actually, jalapenos does sound like a good call. It is but, a very good call. But I feel like pickled jalapenos, eh. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to try it, but I'm open to it. They're, I'm they're delicious. It. They're delicious. I get, I get a lot of flack for not being open-minded enough. Yeah. You, show. Well, you get flack because it's it, you aren't. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on from that. Let's move okay. on from that. I think I think we've spent enough time on, on baseball and, and, and wiener talk here. Um, the biggest news, <laughs> the biggest news of the week to me, I think it's the best starting point, which is the fact that Ryan Getzlaff, career duck, whose number will surely be raised into the banners or sorry, raised into the rafters as soon as he retires. Uh, legendary Anaheim duck has announced his retirement and it's something that we had a feeling might happen and now it's official. So, I mean, for you, Jake, I mean, you're a longtime fan of the team. Yeah. I mean, th- this is, this is really your moment to kind of reflect. What was your reaction? I guess, first off, 
Um, I think my reaction was, uh, I don't know. I, I was, I was sad. I, I think that's the best way to put it because I, I think it kind of really overwhelmed me a, a little bit on the day. I think you and I both heard some rumblings that this may be coming. So even though we had heard that this still kind of hit me like a freight train a little now bit. it's real. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, um, it, it really kind of hit home because I, I think I've made it clear here kind of where my like kind of origin stories as a fan, but I was a fan as a kid would go to games, obviously grew up loving Korea Solani, but it was kid fandom, very different than kind of the fandom that I have now. Um, and really kind of the fandom I have now started in 0506 and it was when I was in high school, uh, the lockout happened. I had kind of the last couple of years, not really paid that much attention to hockey. Um, and I just, for whatever reason, started watching the games again in 0506. My dad and I went to um, went to some of those playoff uh, run or playoff games, uh, specifically a, a decent amount of the Calgary series. Um, and the Ducks ended up making that run to the Western Conference Final, um, and that was Ryan Getzloff's rookie year. And so it kind of hits me that essentially my entire adult fandom, like kind of incarnation of my fandom that I'm in now, obviously it's changed grown i've become more analytical everything like that but the incarnation of where i am now as a fan started in ryan Getzloff's rookie career mm-hmm. or rookie season and i and i think that that it really kind of hits home and i think i was the same way with, with perry but perry's still playing when he was bought out and it, it was a little bit of a different situation and so i think it's just like sad i i think that it's sad that an era is coming to an end Obviously, we talk a lot about the analytics side of things, look at things, and there's a bright future ahead for this franchise. But I think it's an end of an era. And I think if you're someone like me yeah. that is is around our age, your entire 20s um, was had Ryan Getzloff on the Ducks. I right. mean, your entire adult life had Ryan Getzloff on the Ducks. And so it, it just it, – it, it, I, I don't really know if there's any other way to put it than just kind of sombering, sad – but also appreciative. I, I think that that's a very important what, way to put it is also appreciative because Ryan Getzloff, peak Ryan Getzloff was a treat to watch. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if it was this was way back in Anaheim calling when I was would comment on that website way too much. And it was a little community in its own. But whether it was Time or Benny over there would, would kind of say uh, Ryan Getzloff has his games where I'm right. He says, I'm Ryan Getzloff and you're not. Mm-hmm. And when he had those games, it was truly an absolute treat to watch because you just knew the puck wasn't going to come off his stick and he was going to find a way to set up a goal multiple times in a game. And there were just multiple games where he would have four point nights and you would just be like, Oh, okay. He had a four, another four point night. And he, it was just a treat to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions that get raised as a result of Ryan Getzloff's retirement. But I think before we get into all of that, it just feels appropriate to kind of look back a little bit and like you said appreciate what he did i mean all in all in i mean 17 years in the nhl ryan getzlaff has played nearly 1200 games 1151 games all as a member of the anaheim ducks well one season as a member of the mighty ducks of anaheim and then in that span uh 282 goals 731 assists 1013 points overall and you know, I don't want to get into the whole, is he or is he not the greatest duck of all time? Because like I feel like that takes away a little bit from the moment, right? The moment is about him. It's it's the fact that he gave his entire career to this team, that he 
really, I think, contributed significantly to the local you know, youth hockey scene along with Corey Perry and all the great moments in the playoffs. I mean, the fact that, I mean, the, this, this franchise's only Stanley Cup that he, I mean, he was arguably the, the leading offensive force in that playoff run. And so I think if you put that all together, I don't, we don't need to get into the bait. I'll just say it and leave it as is. But Ryan Getzlaff to me is the greatest duck of all time. Correct. Um, I don't think, I don't think there's much of a debate for number one. I understand the people who, you know, maybe, maybe a little nostalgia, look back and say, Oh, we'll look at Timo or, you know, perhaps Paul Correa, but really you have to reward longevity. You have to reward the fact that Ryan Getzlaff and the consistency factor there, it just can't, it can't be overlooked. And I think that that's, that's what places him at number one for me, Paul Correa, maybe if he had played his entire career as a duck, would have gotten there. I mean, certainly Paul Korea's peak might be higher than anybody's peak as a member of the, of the ducks franchise, Mm -hmm. but that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, the numbers kind of speak for themselves. Um, the only duck to ever, the only duck to ever play over a thousand games in a duck sweater, all of it. No, no breaks in between either the longest serving captain in ducks history, most points ever. The only duck to ever break a thousand points in, uh, ever. Um, and then you also have to look at the time that o- over that time span where he was in his elite category, mm-hmm. when he was the captain of this team, when he was going, it was the most successful time frame in the Ducks history. Like mm-hmm. you can certainly look at the cup and maybe if you want to just point as actual tangible success, you say that's the most successful period. But they didn't follow up on that cup run with a whole lot of actual success afterwards. They lost to the stars the season after um, they made a run uh, to the second round the season after that. And they had the conference final before that. So they did have a good four year stretch there. Um, but I would kind of art. They didn't, they only won one division title. They didn't have the same amount of continual success. The yeah. ducks did during Ryan Getzloff's period uh, of being a captain and being kind of in the, in his prime. And I was just curious because Jay fresh has his, uh, historical war data and I'll throw it up on the screen right now. So you can kind of see he was elite for almost all of his career. Basically the 11, 12, 12, 13 seasons were the only season that kind of dipped down into like the 80th percentile. Everything else was well above the 95th percentile until he basically turned 30. Mm-hmm. And then as father time does, it catches up to all of yeah. us. And he also it, had a back injury. Yep. Which, which kind of, started that that steady decline but i will say this it is a bit of a shame that he's retiring now because even though yes i fully respect the decision and i think that there's 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 definitely something to going out you know on not necessarily on top for him but going out while you still it's kind of still your choice to make and you're not the one being forced out this is a guy who's still playing at a at a pretty impressive level i mean overall just looking at his at his impact on ice this season Still well above replacement in terms of driving play from a shot attempt perspective. His play kind of dipped down from expected goals and scoring on ice was not that great. But even last year, he was very good in almost all respects. And then I think what's most intriguing to me is when you look at Corey Schneider's tracking data. I mean, Ryan Getzlaff is still an elite level playmaker in the NHL, just in terms of the amount of what what he classifies as chance assists. So his ability to his passes that end up becoming a scoring chance. He's still a guy who's well above the average in the NHL. And you can go down the list. I I actually tweeted this out. So you can go look at my Twitter for that, but just still a guy who could, who could help a team who could help the ducks, who could help the ducks maybe even next season. Um, 
But I, I think he, he alluded to this in his press conference, the fact that his back is kind of starting to flare up a little bit, starting to be sore, and he's had that injury there. So I think it makes sense. It makes complete sense for him. He's a guy who Eric Stevens wrote a good article about it. Who He was playing yeah. for – he cared about the games in May. And, you know, he didn't want to leave the Ducks. It didn't really seem like the Ducks are going to be – we don't know if the Ducks are going to be back there anytime soon. They might be. They could be. Mm-hmm. But for a guy like Getzlaff, who's already maybe dealing with some health issues, maybe it's just time to walk away. So I 100% respect the the decision, but yep. I still I still think he could play. Yeah, I, and I think, but that's kind of always been Ryan Getzlaff. I think is that yeah he didn't. I don't think he wanted, and he's kind of said this in interviews. He didn't want to be the guy that was going to be forced out. He wanted to, and yeah. I completely understand that. Honestly, you don't want to essentially be. I think forced. that's what makes it harder. Yeah, you don't want to be forced out. You want to be able to go out on your own terms. And I think that there are guys that are, are each of those. I think Corey Perry's probably going to be a guy that's going to have to have his skates and stick taken away from him to get him yeah. off, off the ice and not play anymore. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Getzloff just isn't that. I think he's a guy that has enjoyed his time, loved his time, been a great captain, been one of the best players, as we said, the best tuck of all time. But he wanted to go out on his terms. He didn't want to leave the game and, and essentially be remembered for that final season of not being good enough. And I think in some ways that's what makes this special right what you just said is how he's playing this year that he he really was a good good player and the fact that you're going to remember that about him instead Mm -hmm. of having this lasting memory of a player who was a shell of himself right and and whether that be a david backus last year right who was nowhere near where he used to be even tame musilani at the end of end of his run wasn't what he used to be And, and i think in some ways this is it's a nice way to say goodbye to a player that is still playing at a high level and going out on his own terms. Yeah, and I think looking just a bit at the press conference, his his retirement speech and ceremony, I thought it was really well done. You know, having his parents up there first uh, to give their speeches, I think that that's really special because everyone knows how important hockey parents are. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, everything, all of it, of course, was very touching. But to me, the, the one that really stuck out is just how – how emotional he got when he brought up Corey Perry's name. Yep. Like he made sure to bring up Corey Perry. He made sure to talk about the, the the bond that they had formed, the brotherhood that they had formed. And it just goes to show that all those years, all, all those playoff battles, those deep runs, those regular seasons of you know success, that those guys really formed something there. Well, think, think about it, right? They broke into the league at 21 years old. And they yep. were the same exact age, same draft class, same draft class, same everything. And you instantly are going to have that connection and you essentially go through your entire twenties um, together on the team, becoming really good friends, best friends, doing everything on and off the ice, getting married, essentially all these major life events you're, you're are happening at the same exact or happening with each other around. Yeah, And it's hard not, I mean, obviously you think about just even your work colleagues and how you have friends at work. And as you're at that work longer, they start to become closer and closer friends. And it's a very probably similar concept, but, but to a whole nother level when you're traveling and you're on the road with these guys and you're seeing them essentially every day uh, of the week in order to essentially go get food, have a friend, something like that. And so it makes total and complete sense that, that they have this emotional connection and, it's something that also just kind of looking back it is special that that we were able to watch this time period with those two guys feeding off of each other, each other and vibing off of one another. Yeah, 100 percent. I think that that's probably the coolest part of, about all of this is just the fact that the Ducks got to experience this long stretch of time with two very unique stars. Everyone talks about 
Ryan Getzlaff's play style and that unique combination of size and skill and playmaking ability. And then Corey Perry has his own unique blend of skills as well. And of course, the interview that Perry did for Getzlaff's yeah. retirement just completely <laughs> falling apart. Uh, also tough to watch, but it just, again, it just goes f- furthers what you were saying that these guys really cared about each other. And I think it's a it's a real shame that they they, they couldn't retire both on the ducks but yep that's in the past we're not yep. gonna we're not gonna rehash that one we've gone down that hole many times here's a question for you on yep. this yep the ducks play tampa on thursday oh did you not realize that yet <laughs> no that, that not is that on the is that on the road yeah on the road they're in florida okay. tomorrow and then tampa on thursday mm-hmm. do perry and Getzloff fight <laughs> That would be really funny. That would be really funny. I think that would be a hilarious way for their, like... Because they've probably only played each other, what, two times ever? Yeah, it must not be very many. Like, I don't... I don't like, they probably played They didn't play junior, last year. Well, and Getzloff was in the WHL and Perry was in the OHL. Yeah. So, yeah, something something might go down. I think, that, I think, they, I think they played Dallas once. So, I think they've played twice. No, I don't think they would have... Uh, maybe they, they, they played. They played Dallas pre-pandemic once. That's right. Yeah, that and that, that. Well, well, technically twice, but Perry was suspended for one of them. Okay, that was got the it. the game where he came back and got the ovation and had to be up in a suite because he was suspended for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be fun. It'll be yeah. interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you have any other thoughts about maybe your favorite Getzlaff memory or just any anything oh, else? Real quick. Rex uh-huh. Azar has the point in our Twitch chat saying they should quote unquote fight, but then bust out a dance routine, dirty dancing, lift and all. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 100%. I, I, think, I, I think you're on board for that. Yeah. 100%. Give me, give me that type of comedy. Just let it happen. All right, go on. Sorry. Well, so, I mean, I think we can move on here. Um, I think that now the question, there's some questions that we have to address because now the ducks have a pretty significant void down the middle that they're going to have to address going into next season. And as of right now, I mean, the list of centers that the Ducks have is not not the most awe-inspiring. I mean, you've got Adam Henrique, who may or may not be a center next season. We don't know. You've got Derek Grant, who we all know uh, what that means. Of course, Trevor Zegras, Sam Steele, who's kind of in and out of being a center and a winger, Isaac Lundestrom. And so you could go down the list here. I mean, Mason McTavish is waiting in the wings and will potentially make the leap next season. You've got Sam Carrick, who also goes back and forth. But that's not really a murderer's row. And I think that if the Ducks do want to significantly improve their lot next season and make a push for the playoffs, it feels like this is not like this group of, of centers is not going to be what we're going to see come opening night. Uh, I kind of just maybe here's the tough thing. There. If they want to be better, like, like if they want to be substantially better. Well, yes. You can't you can't you can't roll into next season. I mean, I guess okay, if your top three centers are Zegris, Henrique, and Carrick. Oh, I was gonna you, say McTavish. Okay, let's let's call it McTavish, yeah. Carrick, um uh Henrique and Zegris. That's that's that could be really good. Yeah. It could also be slightly above league average. It could also be not that great. Like we don't really know. I think mm-hmm. it's 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 a little bit up in the air. You're assuming some some positive improvement from Zegris. Carrick, I mean, he's been really good this year, but what are we going to get year over year? And, I mean, we'll get into the Aikens bit later, but 
Isaac Lundstrom is going to play. Yeah, 100%. So, so. Well, I, I think ideally what you would have is you would have Zegris, McTavish as your kind of one-two up, one-two punch. Adam Henrique as your kind of middle six center that's kind of your your fit-all. I think Adam Henrique as a center is actually vastly underrated at this point in time by a lot of people. Yeah. And I, I think he's someone that really fits well as a, a 3C, 2C, something in that range. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think would be great kind of paired with uh, Mason McTavish as your kind of 2-3C combo. Um, yeah. I, I think that we need to see obviously what McTavish can bring. This is obviously kind of being extremely hopeful with what he's going to be in the NHL next year. I think you and I both agree he's in the NHL next year, though. I don't think he goes back. Um, yeah. And, and so that leaves Isaac Lundestrom as your fourth line center. And if well, that's go sorry, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say that that that's where Isaac Lundestrom should be. And now whether I guess the big question is whether or not Lundestrom actually fills out that role with how the coaching staff use him is a whole nother question but i think that that being your your four being your four centers for the team isn't an awful look and while i agree yes i I think that you could certainly upgrade especially at the three the the three and the four c they're gonna want to get mason mctavish minutes at center the whole purpose of sending him back to junior was for him to play center they're not gonna i don't think they're gonna start him on the wing next year i think that you send him back to get time at center if you see him long term as a center play him at center Mm-hmm. And I, I guess the question is whether they view it that way. But you and I both agree on that. That's how we saw Trevor Zegers. The whole playing him on wing is so dumb last year if your long-term plan was to have him at center. And yeah. so I think the same thing with Mace McTavish. Play him at center. But, again, Aikens is going to be the coach. Well, so. I, I guess let me ask this. Mm-hmm. How much of the Zegers on the wing last year was Dallas Aikens and how much of that was Bob Murray? Because that seemed actually yeah. like – a, a very distinct Bob Murray plan from what he talked about where they wanted to get him games on the wing and then send him back to the AHL to get yeah. games at center. And so that almost felt like a, it was dictated that Zegers had to play on the wing. I, I agree with that. Um, the thing with Lundestrom to me is that he's going to play like whether we like it or not, he's going to play. He's going to be the third line center to second line center in terms of utilization. So we have to be ready for that. Um, the question is just, is McTavish going to be so good that he's going to be the one that's going to be the second line center? Or is he going to be more of a guy who's playing behind Lindstrom? What's his utilization going to be like? We just don't really know. Um, I just think looking at Lindstrom, you're, you're really hoping that because of his relative youth, that maybe he takes it. Maybe he takes an actual step forward yeah. next year. Yeah. Because everyone's Not a shooting been, percentage bump. Yeah. Because everyone's been, really singing his praises this year. Um, but if you kind of dig deeper into his stats, he's just not a guy who's having any kind of positive impact at five on five. Um, and so maybe, you know, given that he's 22, he takes a step ahead next year. I mean, I was looking at his stats, his, his tracking data, and he's really, really good at, at gaining Transition. the zone controlled, controlled zone entries really good at that. And he's good at entering the zone in a, in a multitude of ways. It's not just skating it in. He's also good at getting at getting the zone entry with the pass. The problem is he doesn't do anything outside of that when he gets into the zone. Like it's something that we've talked about from an eye test perspective, but the, the stats really bear this out. Like he can't make, he can't make a tape to tape pass in the offensive zone. He's, he's below, he's below league average in terms of shots per 60 shot assists per 60, primary contributions per 60, total shot contributions per 60, chance contributions, chances, chance assists, rebounds created, point shots set up, passes from center lane, high need, like all of that. He's just below average and that's, and like well below in some. 
And so the hope is that this is what I was talking about on my on my Lundestrom comments that drew the ire of of our Discord. <laughs> that maybe he can turn into maybe he can turn that skill of gaining of getting the puck into the offensive zone and and work on the rest. And he's already got the foundation to get there. And yeah. maybe with better line mates, that'll change. But that's yeah. really the hope. And so th- all of this to say that with Getzlaff being gone, I just think that there's a lot of unknown. And I think you can make a case either way. Like, I think what you're saying is totally plausible, that they're going to be good enough, that that they're going to be even good. I think there's also a case to be made that Lundestrom is going to play too much, that Zegers yeah. might still get jerked around a bit, and McTavish might look like a rookie. Like, I just think that all those things could still happen. Yeah. So so we'll see. Yep, definitely. Um, I guess the other follow-up on the, the Getzloff conversation is where do you think they go with captaincy? So, yeah, that's the next question. And I think it's going to be interesting, right? Do they even name a captain next year? I guess that's question one. I think they do. Um, the main reason is I don't think the Ducks have ever actually gone a season without a captain. Okay. Unless I'm misremembering... I believe that when Korea left, Steve Ruchin was named captain and was mm-hmm. captain for that one season. Then Scott Niedermeyer came in. Then the season that Scott Niedermeyer was kind of iffy on whether he was going to come back or not, Pronger was named captain for a year. Mm-hmm. Then Niedermeyer took, uh, was captain again after that. Um, and then after he retired, Getzloff was named captain. And yeah. so there hasn't ever, I think, been a season without a captain because I think even in the, the inaugural season, there was a captain. Right. So, I mean, granted, Getzloff is the longest tenure captain. If you're ever going to do it, now's the time to do it. So, who's your pick if you're naming a captain next year? If I'm naming a captain, I would honestly go with Troy Terry. Wow. I mean, I don't think anyone should be surprised that you're saying that. But I I legitimately haven't even gotten to that. This is the first that even popped in my head because... I mean, I, I honestly think there's a bunch of guys you could you could throw in there. I think Cam Fowler would make a whole lot of sense. Fowler would fit the transitional captain mold that yeah. he has three or four years left. He has the captaincy for three or four years to eventually go to, to Trevor Zegas when he's 23, 24. And, yeah. I, and I think that that honestly is probably the most likely case. But also, um, Troy Terry's a guy that really seems to have the pulse of the team is someone that's very thoughtful with how he's able to speak to the media really handles the media well. And I think in a way that as much as we love the way Trevor Zegers handles the media uh, from our perspective, I feel like the organization might not love how he handles the media because he's just so out there and open. Yeah. And so they're probably, uh, probably would feel a bit better with Troy Terry being that front facing guy. Yeah. And so I think Troy Terry being that captain would make a lot of sense with all of that if you want it to be someone in that younger group. I think I'm going to back it off slightly, though. I think it will be Fowler with Terry and Zegers as assistants. Yeah, that's my prediction as well. I think that Fowler, I mean, Fowler's really good with the media, too. I mean, yeah, he is. I think he's one of the more thoughtful guys. I mean, and of I, course, this is all in a relative scale of like hockey interviews, but he is, I think, a pretty thoughtful, insightful, and he just kind of fits that mold. Like he's he's still a, he's still a top level contributor, and he's got the experience. And I to and back I think in some ways it's recognition of what Fowler's done for the franchise. Yeah, I think it would be a little strange if he did not get it. To be honest, I with think you. no matter what, he's going to be an assistant if he's not the captain. I think it, yeah. it just depends. And so I mean, Fowler has eight hundred and five games played as the Ducks. That's f- like that's crazy because that's fourth all time. Right. Like, like I I just, I just think that it would be crazy 
if he was not the next captain. Is Cam Fowler going to break a thousand games as a duck? Uh, well, how many? He's more at eight oh five. Yeah, he'd have to play what four more years at least. Well, three three point something full seasons. I think two, he'll get 2. there. Two point three seven. Two point three seven. So my math is terrible. Yeah, I think he'll get there. I yeah. mean, he's got four seasons left on his contract. Sorry, five. Yeah. No, four. So, four. yeah. Here's a fun question, seeing as we're just following all this up. Does Cam Fowler get his number retired? <laughs> wow. Now you're really, now no, you're really but going for it, it. If Cam Fowler breaks a thousand games as a duck, breaks a thousand games, was a captain. Maybe they have a, f- a few more playoff runs where he's the captain. Maybe, uh, yeah. Maybe a captain of their playoff run spent, potentially spends his entire career as a duck. Does four I, go to the rafters? I could see it, but I think he's going to have to have a really strong back nine here. To, Agreed. To get, because that, I think even though he has the he has the significance and he has the kind of career, like lifetime achievement award aspect, I think to have your number retired, you also need to be a top level player. Yeah, because he's not a like I don't and, he, and he's, he's been, not a Hall of Fame player. He's not. Yeah, like where, he, where's he, Getzloff is, and even Niedermeyer, who you you much detest the fact that his number was retired under four hundred games as a duck. Yeah, the the fact that you you hate that so much. Three hundred and seventy one games. But at least Scott Niedermeyer is a. I mean, is he a Hall of Famer? That's fair. He is a Hall of yeah. Famer. Yeah. yeah. So yes. So there is that, and I think, and he was part of the the Cup winning team. Like, there's just all those factors that I just don't think. You, you can't just give out – you can't retire numbers just because of lifetime achievement. It, it's got to be beyond that. And I think that with Getzlaff, he's got it all. He's got the lifetime achievement. He's, is, he's got the high level. Is being on the – playing over 1,000 games for the franchise, being a one-player team, a lifetime achievement award? It probably well, no. is. Well, what, what, what are you trying to say? For, with for Fowler. The, for Fowler. Yeah. For the I mean, argument it, of – He's going to get a silver stick, right? He's going to – or is that for 1,000 points? That's just 1,000 games. Thousand games, yeah. Like he's that's gonna just get, a thousand games in general. He's gonna get his Joe. due. There's gonna be a Cam Fowler night, you know. Like it's, I just don't th- like you got I think the bar needs to be higher. And I, honest, and I hate and I hate saying this because I think Fowler's been great. No, that that's fair. Honestly, Fowler's a tougher call for me than Jaguar. Oh well, I think Jaguar is more deserving. I think Fowler is more deserving because of I think longevity. Uh, I don't know. I think it, it, it's a weird situation no, though. Where I actually don't. I don't agree with that at all. I okay. mean, Jaguar has a con Smythe. That's right? fair. Has a con Smythe as a goalie, and I mean, was this? He was, was the, very. He was really good. Was the starter for the cup, the cup winning win. team. I That's mean, fair. I think that you're a bit ridiculous with that take. That's all okay right. though. All right, fine. You're not right. for that. It's a. Uh, it's time for a word from our sponsor though. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Manscaped, the champions of below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped and our proud uh, our proud sponsors have done it again with the launch of the brand new Ultra Premium Collection. From trimming your hockey pucks to your everyday grooming and hygiene routine, Manscaped is here. After lighting the lamp, hit the showers with this all-in-one skin and hair care kit that covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP. So Felix, we all know that Manscaped's uh, lawnmower 4.0 trimmer has the precision of McDavid to trim below the waist. Their advanced advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas. But now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine and confidence with their ultra premium collection. This package includes the Manscaped premium deodorant. No, 
not for your balls. For your stinky armpits after hitting the ice, this deodorant dries clear, is aluminum-free, and cologne-infused with their hydrating scent. And Felix, why don't you tell us about the Hydrating Body Moisturizer? Yeah, so maybe you've had a long day at the rink. Uh, The moisturizer will keep your skin feeling clean, smooth, and smelling fresh. I'm someone who gets dry skin, and I've been using this, and I actually really enjoy it. Um, I'm kind of a kind of a snob when it comes to moisturizers and this definitely passes the test the body wash as well to lather you up with their infused aloe vera and sea salt shower gel you want to you want to get the aloe vera on you with this body wash there's also a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to clean your lettuce with an easy one step plus a free gift a three-pack set of lip balm to keep your trash talk firing on all cylinders Yeah, so that's four products plus a gift inside the Ultra Premium Collection. What a score! Made with the best ingredients with zero compromise to ensure you don't take a grooming penalty. I'd recommend using the products in this order. One, hop in the shower and scrub-a-dub-dub that body with the Manscaped Body Wash. Two, lather your hair up with a two-in-one shampoo conditioner to keep your noggin toggin. Three, dry off and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. Four, put on the Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons. Body odor is a major penalty. And five, pop that Manscaped lip balm on. Tripping has never felt better. The boys will be buzzing after cleaning up with the superstar lineup from Manscaped. So you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. Don't be a goon. Upgrade your hygiene routine with Ultra Premium Collection and from Manscaped to fight your bush and odor this season. There you go. Okay, so anything else on Getzlau for Jersey retirements or... The captaincy, I guess, is where we left off here. Um, no, I, I think I'm I'm all good. Um, gonna be interesting to see what they do. I I, I think that yeah, I think Fowler's a, an interesting name. And here's the thing: if it is Fowler, I think they just do that next season. Do you think that Adam Henrique gets a letter? Ah. Uh, so what are the rules here? Can't you have two different alternates at home and on the road? Yeah, you you can do whatever the hell you want, I, I, but you I can could, just. I could see them not giving the only A's to Zegers and Terry. Maybe. I could I could see Shattenkirk and Henrik, for example. Yeah, I mean, A's. yeah, you can do it that that way. Basically, you just have to make it where you have you can you can only have three, three mm-hmm. letters in a game. That that's the right. rule. Right, you can right, right. rotate it around if you want. I mean, right, the Ducks have kind of done that in the past, honestly. So I could see them doing that, but I I think that what I would do would be Fowler, Zegris, Terry. What I think will happen, I think that will actually happen, but I could see them maybe rotating the A's depending on on home and road. So just because we can't always have exactly what we want. So yep. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let's get to the bombshell though. I mean, this is to me this has just been a build up to the bombshell. So going into today's podcast, I was. Not 100% sure that we were going to have that much to talk about. You know, obviously outside of the Getzlaff retirement, it, it felt like a little bit of a light week. The games that the Ducks played were, let's just call them unremarkable. I think, I mean, you, you could say the win in Philly was a good one, but just not super memorable. So today we get a report from Elliot Tiford that according to an NHL source. And, and now at the Athletic legitimately, uh, let's see, 8.28 p.m., so oh. ten minute, eight, eight minutes ago said, Dallas Akins is expected to return. Oh, well, there you go. Breaking Sor- news. Sor- sources confirmed to The Athletic. Wait, where? Where are we looking at this? This We're is on the, on, the ath- on the Athletic, the Ducks page. It's by Eric Stevens. 
Oh my. So there you go. Breaking news on the pod. Uh, the, the, so Dallas Aikens is back next year. That's when it first dropped though. Tiford with the register yep. uh, saying an NHL source. And now I guess that the news is just trickling out further and further. And so I don't think, does the athletic report specify the length uh, here's exactly what at it least, says. Dal- uh, Dallas Akins is expected to return to the, uh, as coach for the Ducks for the 2022-2023 season. Sources confirmed to The Athletic. Uh, it is believed that Akins' original three-year contract also contained an option for the fourth year, which the club is expected to pick up. Mm-hmm. Verbeek is expected. So it, it's not an extension. It's a uh, it's picking up the fourth-year option, basically. So it's the same contract. Right. So I think that this is an interesting wrinkle to it, right? Because it's not as if, like you said, it's not as if he's getting an extension. It's not as if the Ducks are maybe recommitting to him. This almost just feels like a wait and see. You have the option. And then maybe if things go well next year, then you extend him, right? Maybe next year he has a more legitimate shot at having a competitive team. And if they don't, you can just walk away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your, your reaction uh as you, rea- as, you, as you furiously type a tweet yeah i'm like in the middle of it but i guess now oh, wait i was hoping that you would uh go on a little bit longer there for me to get that out <laughs> as you're throwing to me so you can do the same um <laughs> my my initial reaction was frustration i i guess is the first word of it mainly because um it's primarily a situation of we've seen Dallas Akins this year badly misuse his lineup. Um, and I think that we can look at, I guess if you're trying to look for a positive, you can look at the beginning of the season, right? Yeah. I think the first 25, 30 games of the season, he was doing a good job. There were obvious frustrations with some things here and there. Like, why would you not unite, uh, for instance, Zegers and Terry that early? They taught, there was a whole article about it, almost talking about why weren't they put together earlier in some ways, um, if that's a way that, that you would want to go. And so he did make and some good moves, though, uniting uh, Zegris and Milano. They ended up having great chemistry. And, and so he really had them playing a lot better. The issue is there felt like there was a big regression from him as a coach midway through the season where he really went back to kind of older ways of relying on, on these styles. The fact of sitting on the, the, the leads to play for overtime, the, the putting of Derek Grant with, with Trevor's egress, all, all these kind of things that, that come up the over-reliance on the Lundestrom line when that was there, all these things that really came out in the last little bit of this season, the last half of this season really have been frustrating to see because it's taken a team that you and I both agreed on where we're playoff, uh, should have been in the playoffs by about Christmas. You right. and I both agreed that they were a playoff team at that point in time to the point where they are now eliminated from the playoffs with about eight games left in the season. So that just kind of goes to show how poor the end of the season has been. And it, it just feels like there, there are a lot of different factors, but I think coaching is a big part of that. And so I think my initial reaction is frustration. And now I guess trying to look into the logic behind it, of Pat Verbeek. I, I think you're kind of spot on where maybe he wants to see what he can do with essentially Pat Verbeek's able to architect, be the architect of a different type of team. And maybe this is a situation where the Samuelis wanted to give him one more run with it. I mean, there's also those factors at play, right? Where yeah. they, they potentially were, were people that really went to bat for him to get the job in the first place. And the ducks saw better success at the start of this year. And they wanted to see, want to see what he can do with a new team under Pat Verbeek. And I mean, at the end of the day, doing a one-year extension isn't that big of a deal to me. It's not a deal breaker. It's not that harmful. And it's not even an extension, actually. It's just an option. Picking up the option. Yeah, exactly. They're picking up the option. 
look, I will, this is a, this is a tough topic. This is a really tough topic because there's a few different ways you can look at it. And I think the number one way that a lot of people start, I would say the people that are more pro Aikens is that Dallas Aikens has had a very weird hand to play a very weird hand that he was dealt with the ducks. If you look at his first season, right, it gets, it was a rebuilding year. It gets cut short with, with, you know, the pandemic. And then afterwards, right. You have the, the, the COVID season with the, with the weird divisions and that season really did him no favors because you didn't really see a lot of improvement in the team's play. There really just wasn't a whole lot to write home about. We, we started really seeing that weird usage start to kick in and there weren't really high expectations for that season either, but there wasn't a lot of progress that you could really see. Then fast forward into this season, the ducks start out really well and, and they're knocking on the door of the playoffs. And I mean, at, by the holidays, the ducks were, I mean, probabilistically looking at money pucks model, they were looking like almost a lock to make the playoffs. And then of course, COVID reared, roared back into the picture. The Ducks fall out of it and they never recovered. And I feel like for a lot of people, they're willing to kind of hand wave away everything that's happened since and overlook it, overlook it. And I don't know if that's completely fair. I mean, I think that the Ducks were already showing some signs of regression before everything got crazy. And ever since then, kind of to what you were saying, it just feels like Dallas has really fallen back into some some poor habits. And all the things that seemed to make the Ducks really successful early in the season, it seems like he abandoned them. And then the other the other thing I want to say, which I think really needs to be just, we need to beat this drum, is the fact that the Ducks' power play still sucks. Damn it. it I was about to get there. Okay. Well, I want to beat this drum. Go for and it. You, Go for you, it. It's just the fact that, you know, there's been this whole narrative this year about, well, Newell Brown, Jeff Ward, these guys are, you know, mad scientists cooking up these great schemes and and look at how well they're playing. But right now, by expected goals four per 60 on the power play, this is pre-evolving hockey. They, they adjust their model for the power play to make it more predictive, more representative of how the power play is versus five on five. The Ducks rank 30th right now. So... If you fast forward to the year before, right, where the Ducks supposedly had this awful assistant coaching staff and then they just had no plan and and what have you, um, last year, the Ducks were, let's see, they were 17th in XGF per 60 on the power play. So the Ducks have actually gotten drastically worse this year at generating quality and quantity on the power play. And shocker. Trevor splitting up Trevor Zegers from your most dangerous scores is not a good idea on the power play. I mean, right now they, they mention it in the Eric Siemens, I think mentioned it in the article that for now they want to split them up to be able to spread out the offense. And so they don't want to, have, even though they're reuniting Zegers and Terry together, but they're splitting them up on the power play. And so one of the power plays is, I think it's Drysdale, Zegers, Grant, Lundestrom, Mayhew, and I think another defenseman. I can't remember who, oh, Vakaninen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how is that the best use of your most creative offensive player? By putting him with... And I think Drysdale on the power play is fine, but Vakaninen... No, Drysdale's good on the power play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so you have Vakaninen, Lundestrom, and then Grant. Or it was either Mayhew, Grant, or Letary. Regardless, the same concept of, what are you doing here with this roster? And while I get, sure, 
it's kind of the hand they're dealt with the players they have right now. Why would you not put Zegris with Terry and Milano? Mm-hmm. Why would you not have Max Comtois on a power play? <laughs> right? Like, I get, yeah. like, there are people that are frustrated with how he's playing and everything like that, but why not have him on the power play? Try to get him going. It's just all these little things, right, that kind of eke away at the – or kind of really bug me about the trust with Akins, right? And, and yeah. bug me about going into next season of – this right now, he's back. He's going to be back for next season. Mm-hmm. Right now is the time to build up his players then, right? Mm-hmm. This is the perfect time. Find that chemistry. Find the guys that you're going to want to put together. Find the the Milano, Zegers, Terry line. Instead, he's putting Derek Grant with them. Instead, he's putting uh, Max Comte on the fourth line with Sam Steele or scratching mm-hmm. him. Like, now is the time to really run those guys out instead of playing Jerry Mayhew. Like no love, no love for Jerry Mayhew. But like, is Jerry Mayhew gonna be a duck next year? I mean, I I was before today. I would have said Aikens wasn't back. So, but realistically, probably not. Probably not. Is Max Comtois going to be a duck next season? That is a good question. I mean, it it doesn't probably most probably yes. I I don't know about that. If 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 Dallas Aikens is the coach now, that's actually a fair point. What's gonna like? What's gonna change? Because it feels like a lot has to change now for him to to work his way back in. Um, I think that one thing that I kind of want to give Aiken some it's a, it's actually a, a two sided coin. Um, so John Gibson has been terrible since the All Star break, and I think that that has really just kind of pulled the rug out from underneath the Ducks. And their five on five play hasn't been so terrible to where they should they completely bottomed out like they did, or to warrant bottoming out like they did. But that being said, if you look at how Dallas Akins has used John Gibson in his tenure with the Ducks, how many times have we said they need to play him less? They need to play Anthony Stolarz more. They need to find a way to manage his starts. And Dallas Akins has just never found a way to do that. And I feel like that, although it's not on him, specifically the fact that Gibson is, is playing poorly, it is on him that he has just been run ragged over the last few years. That is on him. And and the fact that he hasn't been able to get through to him, to convince him to buy into playing less for his own sake and for the team's sake, I mean, that kind of falls on the coach, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think that's, I guess, the frustration. I think extending him for the extra year is no harm, no foul, because at the end of the day, with him only having one year left, it's an easy fire also. It, yeah. If someone comes up midway through the season that you like more, and so I think that that's an easy thing. If, if things if, if things don't go well, you're picking up an option for a fourth year. That's not exactly a vote of confidence. Yeah, in, in Dallas Aikens, that that to me, as much as this kind of seems crazy, this more so seems to me like Paverbeek doesn't necessarily like anyone out there on the market. Yeah, so I think it's a it's a bunch of factors. I think mm-hmm. part of it is that the Ducks probably feel some maybe some kind loyalty some loyalty to Aikens and especially it's almost like a recognition of how crazy his tenure has been and it's it's kind of a saying hey we want to give you a real shot here let's you know let's let's give you a real season who knows what next year is going to look like but let's give you a better chance at this the other side of it is well I can't imagine that Pat Verbeek didn't look around didn't sniff around and maybe he just didn't have a guy who was really sticking out. And as a result, he's taken the option on Aikens. I mean, to me, it makes more sense just intuitively that Verbeek would have looked for his own guy first. And when that didn't materialize, 
you always know in the back pocket you have Aikens who you can bring back and He's at and, least a known quantity. And if the reports are correct, that like we've been talking about, it's an option. It's the fourth year being picked I, up. I'm pretty sure they're correct. Yeah. No need but, for the no need for the conditional. Just protecting there. ourselves slightly there. But um, <laughs> if that's the case, then essentially what he's doing is he's giving himself another year to to find exactly who he wants. Whereas yeah. finding a new coach and bringing a new coach on a one year deal is much less likely to happen. Most coaches are going to be looking for multiple year deals. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of the benefit of doing this is that, well, it just is another year. It, it It's another year to allow him to search for another coach potentially at the end of next season. Maybe we're, we're in the same situation next summer or going into next summer where the ducks extend Aikens. But it, I think at this point, but it, I, if they extend him though, it feels like it will, it will at least have been earned at that point. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Like it kind of like I don't I think if the Ducks have a bad season next year and they are t- like if at the end of the next season at the same date they are where they are right now there's no not a shot in hell he's back yeah I think he I think he coaches the entire next season would you agree with that uh I don't know <laughs> I I genuinely don't know I I could see a situation where it's one of those things where well we're already giving him the we're already paying him for the fourth year. Maybe you fire him halfway through once you find your guy. Hardcore so. Luchador, by the way, chimes in saying, you guys should be happy. You'll have another year to mock his line combos. So this is this is kind of the thing for me. There's, there's two again, two sides to this coin, which is that I think that Dallas Akins has not increased the Ducks' baseline this year. I don't think that he's helped increase their median outcome. I think that he's kind of held them back. And it's not the end of the world that the ducks aren't going to make the playoffs this season. I think that they still need to be collecting high draft picks. They still need to be rebuilding through the draft. Give me Shane, Wright. But the problem is you have to be setting, you have to be setting up a good foundation along the way. And you know, there's all this talk of Dallas Aikens being a good culture setter and being a good communicator. Like these are things you hear about a lot, but Let's look at the tail of the tape. Look at how he's handled, for example, Max Contois. Look at how he's handled Trevor Zegers. Look how he handled Troy Terry last year. And it's it's well and good that Troy Terry has broken out this year, but that might have happened anyway, right? That that might have happened sooner if he hadn't been jostled around the lineup uh, previously. So this notion that he's a culture setter, a development guy, I don't entirely buy it. And so if the Ducks, again, miss the playoffs next year, I don't think it's the end of the world because first off, the 23 draft is supposed to be excellent. But if they're going to have another season of this, of suboptimal tactics, of poor underlying play, that's when I think you're just kind of wasting your time. That's the problem I have with this. Yeah. It, and I just, I, I feel like he's, to me, he's shown nothing that warrants just, just on its face. Cause I understand there's considerations financially, mm-hmm. but there's nothing that warrants bringing him back. To me. So let me, let me ask you this. There's a lot of talk in our Twitch chat, a lot of talk on Twitter, a lot of talk all over about, well, this is Verbeek not thinking they're going to win next year. This is a tank hiring. <laughs> this is him go Connor, the Connor Bedard picture. I don't, I don't know that for sure. I don't either. I, I yeah. don't think that's what this is. I think this is Pat Verbeek not liking someone out there. It's him essentially having, I mean, at the end of the day, how many games has he had Dallas Akins as his coach? 20, 30 yeah, since February. Yeah. So not even a full season. This could just be essentially for better or worse. I mean, you and I both agree that take a getting, longer look, getting a different coach, but 
keeping the coach that's there and getting a longer look and seeing how you mesh with him before making a decision. Essentially prolonging the decision because he just doesn't have the familiarity with the guy. Yeah, and, and I also think that, look, there's been a lot of chatter about how maybe Aiken's decision-making was not completely his own with the lineup under Bob Murray. And I think now this season, he's been a little bit of just kind of a rudderless ship where Murray was gone for a while. There was no GM for a while. And then Verbeek is back, but he's focused on the trade deadline. And so it just feels like maybe with the summer where they can kind of just have a meeting of the minds and Verbeek can communicate more how he wants the team to play, how he wants things to look that, and you know, of course, at some point the ducks are going to start building out their analytics department as well with Jeff Solomon assuming he's back, I think that maybe Aiken's just the, the the guiding hand, the guiding voice in his ear will be a lot different next year. And that can maybe change how he coaches. But we've seen how he looks left to his own devices, and it's just it's not pretty. So I can't, I can't sit here, you know, talking to the people and say that this is a good move for the Ducks. I think big picture, it's probably a whatever move. I but mean, I, but I don't think it's a good move. Yeah, I think overall Dallas Higgins is a net neutral. I don't think he's a I, bad I, coach. I, I don't know about that. Okay. I don't know about that. I, I mean, where where would you say? I mean, do you, do you think that this roster? Yeah, I might. Yeah, I might be. I might think, be looking this too rosy because of trying to talk myself into not hating it. Well, I think I, I, I think that the decision from the forty thousand what is it feet forty thousand feet mm-hmm. view. I get why the Ducks would do this because there's there's broader implications and considerations, but I also think just based on the facts and what we've seen from him, it's just crazy to bring this guy back. That's yeah. what I don't get. So yeah. I just I'm trying to give everyone every I, angle of this, but that's my opinion. I, I also wonder I if he wants to give him a better roster for next year. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, that's I know. I'm, yeah, I know. That, is just let's see what he can do. Yeah. Let's let's finally see what he can do with a real hand. Yeah. So I, I think anyone thinking that this means Paverbeek thinks the team's not gonna win next year, I think that it's kind of the opposite, honestly. I yeah. think this is him wanting to see what Dallas Aikens can do with the roster that he's gonna reshape over summer. I think I think Paverbeek's gonna be doing a lot of work over summer. Yeah. I think that the, I think the roster will look different. I think that he Aikens will have a better hand. But regardless, it's still his last stand. I think this is it. He's got to show something next year. If he's still messing around with Derek Grant playing with Trevor Zegers or what have you, I mean, who knows if Derek Grant will even be on the team next year. But it just feels like things have to really change for him to be the coach of the Ducks beyond next season. Yeah, uh, Sith Lord Buscemi asked this, and I want to just get to it now before we even get into all the questions. If he was criticized for lifelessly coaching because he was unsure about his future, how does a one-year extension change that? Um, well, because he, he goes from a lame duck to now knowing he has a future. And I think lame duck coaches are always in a really tough spot. So I, I actually do kind of sympathize with that. Yeah, and, and people are bringing up, uh, I f- like D.B. Lyra said, I feel like we keep making excuses for Dallas. He didn't have a full year or a good enough roster. Bottom line, he's done nothing to give the fan base any confidence in his abilities. And that's completely fair. And, and I think when you and I kind of bring up these things, it's more so searching for reasons, well, I it's guess. Trying, it's trying to make sense of why the decision was made because it wasn't just made out of thin air. Yes. At least you hope not, but I don't think it was. And so we have to mention that, but... I think that that comment is exactly it, which is that, yes, yeah. everyone wants to give Dallas Akins an out for why things haven't gone well. And I think that, yes, 
those things are real. They must be acknowledged. They're part of the story for him. But the things that he can control, the things that he can do to make the team better, he just hasn't done. And in fact, not only has he not done them, talking about certain line combinations, time on ice, things like that, but he's actually taken suboptimal, a suboptimal route. And that's even worse than just not doing the optimal thing. Because to me, if he was a net neutral, he would just have these kind of boring-ish lines, but that aren't just going to be liabilities. That's, that's not fair. what that's not what he's done. Th- that's a fair point. I guess yeah. kind of yeah. The counter to me doing that is putting Derek Grant with Trevor Zegers, right? And I mean, and that's just example one. I mean, we've been we've been doing this long enough now, where there's so many micro examples, right? Of just for the way he's handled Trevor Zegers to me is is kind of the, I mean, that's the bellwether for all of this. Is just not ever trusting him to even take faceoffs, managing just overly managing his minutes, yeah. and and maybe part of that was Murray, but. Going back to even last, I mean, two years ago with Troy Terry, right? And the fact yeah. that they set him down to, to end, the, the end, end the year. I mean, it's just all those different things. You put them together and... Hell, last year with Terry being his healthy scratch. Yeah, it just still it still doesn't add up. And even this year, I mean, I understand playing Isaac Lindstrom a lot because he's scoring goals, but anyone watching what's going on is probably thinking, hey, maybe this guy shouldn't be the kind of go-to shutdown player um and i mean also his handling of jamie drysdale right the mm-hmm. fact that D- drysdale has never faced almost any consequence for bad play that he's just been given free reign alongside hampus Lindholm, just all these different things that you can point to and really these things are are aspects that you would want to see a guy who's in charge of a developing team really nail because the development really matters you need these guys to to hit on their draft potential and I mean, right now, I think Jamie Drysdale is trending to to hit on that. Maybe not, maybe not hitting his ceiling, but I think he's going to get somewhere in that range. Trevor Zegers probably, but it's a it's a mixed bag outside of that. I mean, Max Contois right now is looking worse than he did last year, and that's yep. on the coach to a degree. So, yep. All right, and the final be- piece of news. Anything else you want to add? No. Okay. The final piece of news from the week is uh, Harvard defenseman Henry Thrun told The Athletic that he will go back to school for his senior year, but added that he will attend the Ducks development camp. Collegiates are allowed to attend those. Thrun, and this is all from Eric Stevens. Thrun spoke to the Anaheim staff as well as former national team development program teammates uh, Zegers and Hellison, but felt going back was the correct decision for now. And then in addition to that, Blake McLaughlin signed his uh, ELC uh, I actually haven't looked at it too much. I will right now, but I believe that it is similar type of thing of it kicks in next year. And then he signed an ATO to join the goals. And, uh, Jackson Lacombe remains undecided on whether he's going to go back, uh, to Min- the university of Minnesota or come out, uh, this year. And so there isn't actual, any, uh, additional information on that. Um, and so, yeah, Blake McLaughlin signed a two-year entry-level deal that begins next season uh, and joined the goals on an ATO. Um, so, really quickly, just so everyone's aware kind of what this all means, is you are given four years per the CBA to sign your uh, entry players drafted. And so, basically, the way that it works is um, if they become, here's how the actual section of the, the CBA, if a player drafted age 18 or 19 who had received a bona fide offer in accordance with the certain section of the CBA becomes a bona fide college student prior to the June 1st following his selection in the entry draft. 
uh, and remains a bona fide college student through the graduation of his college class. His drafting club shall retain uh, his exclusive rights of negotiating for his services through and including the August 15th following um, uh, the graduation of his college class. So basically, August 16th, he would become a free agent is what that means. Um, yeah. And so basically, you have four years to sign your guys. Um, and if he, if Thrun goes back for his senior season, he can come out, uh, he can basically wait it out until August and become a free agent. Same thing with Lacombe. The real thing to understand here, and this is, I mean, that's the worst case scenario. This is part of what happens with college guys. This isn't a, uh, just to be clear. This isn't a Justin Schultz situation. It may see, see, seem the same way. Schultz was different though. He, that was a very specific loophole that allowed players that played a specific junior college in Canada. It's like junior B or something like that. And then go to college allowed them to come out after three years as compared to four. Um, but the worst case scenario is he becomes a free agent and doesn't join the ducks. So here's, here's what I see here. Okay. Unless you have anything else you want to say. The other, the other thing I was going to add here was that with Henry Thrun, it's important to keep in mind that the Ivy league schools did not play last year. Yeah. So he had to go to the Dubuque Fighting Saints of the USHL. He's only actually played two years of college. He actually hasn't played four years of college. Yeah. Or uh, three years of college. So I think if you want to look for a positive, optimistic read of this situation, it could be that, well, he wants to get a third year of college under his belt for his development. He thinks that 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 is really where he could uh, find himself improving the most. And then he's able, once his season's over in college next season, sign his ELC then, and essentially it's a three-year deal that that kicks in right away and gets him paid right away. And so there's no difference between signing a three-year deal that kicks in next year versus signing one just at the end of his college career next season. Right, right. And so I think that, there's a lot of reasons why it makes sense for him to go back. And I think you spelled them out, which is the fact that he doesn't, he hasn't had that full college experience. It's been weird with the pandemic. And so now he gets an opportunity to go and have that final year. I think that there's nothing wrong with that. And I think maybe this was partly his decision and partly maybe the ducks development staff saying, Hey, we want you to have kind of that closure that, that, that really that full experience and also maybe it was from his side kind of assessing the Ducks current, you know, the the, the current um, roster and looking at the depth on the blue line and thinking on the left side, well, is there a totally a spot for me in the NHL next year? Or am I going to end up being in the minors, whereas I could play another year in college and maybe then come back out with a shot at the NHL right away or a better shot at the NHL right away? I think that that's what it comes down to. Yeah, and I'm wondering, I'm curious, because he had a lot of points last season. Um, and I want to curious, I'm very curious to see where he ends up at, because basically what I'm wondering if he is could be in the running for the Hobie Baker next year. Uh-huh. Um, right. Well, well, so while you look that up, I just want to say that I think for him, if I were advising him, I would say, yeah, would you rather play in the minors for a year, or would you rather just potentially, like you said, be a candidate for the, the Hobie Baker, have a fun final year of college. And then the year after that, you have a better shot at making the, the NHL right away. Cause right now, I mean, on the ducks left side, let me ask you this. I know you're still looking at everything, but Cam Fowler is a lock to be, to be on the blue line on the left side. Mm-hmm. After that, I mean, they went out and got Euro Vakanainen. 
He's an RFA. I'm assuming he's going to be back. They're playing him minutes right now. You've got Simon Benoit, also an RFA. I think that's maybe where the questions start a little bit. Is he going to be back or not? And you've also got Josh Mahura, who's got a year left on his contract. So if you're Henry Thrun and you're looking at that depth chart, and there, of course, there's, there's also guys in the minors, there's not necessarily this wide open path to making the league right away. And mm-hmm. that's why I think it makes sense for him to just kind of give it another year before then making the jump. Yeah. And keep in mind, the salary in the minors is like 70 grand. Mm-hmm. on an ELC. It's not that much in the minors. Um so he <laughs> right. he had 32 points in let me see. Uh 32 points in 35 games. So not near the top but close to a point per game. Um that's if he's able to make a leap um and really kind of make a jump next season. I mean, he could potentially push his way into that that role, yeah. right? I think I I miss misspoke on it's Uro Uro Vakanainen, not Euro, which probably makes more sense. Yeah. But, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So, by the way, 80 grand in the minors is what they end up making. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's getting paid in college too, right? So. Wow. Oh, we're not supposed to say that. We're not wow. supposed to say that. Wow. Sorry. Just, Sorry. Just going, just going for it. You didn't hear anything. Um, but yeah, so I think it makes sense for both sides. I yeah. think it makes sense for both sides. And so we'll see with, with Jackson Lacombe. I mean, Lacombe did play last year in college. Um so, granted, COVID season. So, I, I'm curious to see. But, yeah, uh, Blake McLaughlin has already joined uh, joined the goals um, mm-hmm. along with Drew Hellison. So, um, those guys are starting to come in. I mean, the one bummer is, I think, seeing Henry Thrun and Jackson Lacombe with the goals right now as they go on a playoff would have been, been really fun. But we might get that next year. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like um, that's, that's the whole thing. I, I think there's going to be some overreaction to this from the, the diehards that pay attention to this stuff. But I think yeah. it's... It's going to be all right. Yep. All right. Let's jump into questions or anything else you want to talk about? Uh, No. Let's do the questions. Okay. App AG asked, and this is, we're going to start with our Discord. Go to patreon.com slash crash pond to get it on our Discord. Uh, App AG said, do the Ducks make the playoffs next season? And if you don't think that they do, what are the issues that need to be addressed in order for them to get there? Uh, I mean, I think that their forward depth is the biggest issue right now. And that's that's the number one thing. I mean, we were talking about it early on in the show with Getzlaff's retirement. Their center depth is just not nearly as impressive. You're really banking on some internal improvement. So they're going to have to improve that, I will say. Do they make the playoffs? I mean, Dallas Aikens is going to be the coach. It's really hard for me to bet on him pushing this team into the playoffs, but he'll have a better roster. I'm going to go with no, though. Yep. Uh, I I'm just... You know what? I'm just going to be positive. I've said this a bunch. They're making the playoffs next year. Okay. Fair enough. Enjoy it. Fair enough. Uh, a Taco Pie said, I don't hate, hate holding on to Aikens for another year. Do you think? Do you see anything worthwhile in Aikens ever be getting together before the summer and really getting on the same page? Maybe you don't want to change coaches until it's because it takes you uh, or until it's because it takes you to the top of the league. Basically, yeah. there's a coach out there that takes you to the top. Well, that's kind of what I was saying earlier is I think maybe now that Aikens knows he's at least got another year and that Verbeek will have the summer to really kind of instill the new organizational culture, his vision, that maybe that Aikens approach will change to a degree. And so there is some value to that. Um, and I do, I think that there's nothing wrong with the placeholder coach, as long as that coach isn't actively making you significantly worse and potentially hampering the development of your younger players, which I would contend is what Aikens has done. Yep. 
Uh, JJ Stone Drum says, uh, when will the pain end? <laughs> oh, yeah. this The Aikens news is really not uh, not being enjoyed by some. Yeah, on that same boat, Duck says, I hate holding on to Aikens for another year. Can you just spend the whole show raging into the void? I think we kind of did. We kind of did. We spent moments of it. Moments, moments of it. Moments. Yeah. Uh, Will said 147 players were drafted before Troy Terry. 28 have more points than him. Most of those 28, 27 of them are have over 225 plus games played compared to Terry's current 196. The one player drafted after him of those 28 with more points is Andrew Mangiapani with 19 more points in 54 main game, 54 more games played. Of all the players to play at least greater than 82, but less than or equal to Terry's 196, only Kaprizov has more. <laughs> Then more points with 141, 25. I'm enjoying this because it's just singing this, the This might be the longest question we've ever gotten. Being that Kaprizov was a KHL draft pick and the age and skill difference that generally comes with the players coming over from the KHL, is Terry the biggest steal of the 2015 draft? Uh, without having the draft class right in front of me, I'm going to go with yes based on his where he was drafted. I mean, I just laid out all the stats for you. You know, you could just uh, listen. I did listen, but you're asking me. Like, I know. I'm giving you a heart. I'm going to say yes, though. Okay. Hey, Odiflo said, if Akins is is extended by only one year, is it possible for Reek is doing this as a management strategy to elevate the attractiveness of the organization to future prospective coaches and players since the lack of a multi-year extension would, would imply he doesn't fully believe in Akins for the long term? Maybe he sees the one-year extension as an olive branch that reflects favorably on his management team for future coaches and players considering joining the team. Your thoughts on this? Um... I think that, yeah, maybe you could say that you want to make it seem like you're fair to your coaches and maybe there's this belief that Akins hasn't had a fair shake, but I think people would also understand new GM, new coach. Like that's pretty common. So I don't completely buy that. And now, I mean, I think this was asked before we knew about the, uh, the one year option. Yeah. I think the option kind of, ch- cause this isn't the ducks choosing to add a year. It's a year yeah. that was already there. Yep, so. exactly. Bob Murray's gift. <laughs> it just keeps on giving, baby. Yeah. All right, we're going to go to Twitter, and then we'll come to Twitch. But uh, So this comes from an abundance of caution, even at even Wilderwing said, question for tonight's show, is Dallas Aikens the Sam Steele of NHL coaching? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say no. I think he's worse. More like a mm, – I'm just going to say worse. <laughs> I'm gonna, you I, I knew where you were going. I'm going to bite my tongue off on that one. Everyone knew where you were going to go. Uh, okay. This comes from uh, Chris Kober at District 5 Hockey, former managing editor at, uh, at Anaheim Calling before we got there, oh, actually. shout out. Yeah. Uh, question for the pod. You seem worried about Thrun going back to Harvard and becoming UFA, but doesn't the same thing apply to Lacombe going back to Minnesota for a fourth year? Yes. So the same exact thing applies. I think it's just because we don't know what's happening with him yet, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the biggest thing is once we, we know that. Um, this is a side potential shit show topic, but we'll just do it really quickly now. Is bring me a rock a common phrase or just an engineering phrase? I don't know what bring me a rock means. And I've I never asked, heard that. And I asked him, I was like, is this something I've said on the show? He's like, no, but sharpening the pencil reminds me of it. And I hear a lot of work. Bring me a rock. I, and I hear a lot it a lot with work working with engineers. I've never heard bring me a rock. And now I'm like yeah, Googling it. That's insane. Bring me a rock. There's a book. It's a popular management game. In the management world, this behavior is described as bring me a rock. It describes the uh, behavior of a manager or leader who assigns a task. 
I, I, I don't care. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, Trevor Zegris, a <laughs> uh, good follower, Trevor Zegris to the show. Yeah. Says, uh, what do you think the Ducks' chances of making the playoffs next year are? I think with the roster improvements, I would put it at maybe 40%. I'd say 50-50. 50-50, sure. In five years, what would your ideal first line and first D pair look like? Whether it's five our, years? Our, yeah, five years. <laughs> five okay. years. Okay, really really stretching me out here. Zegris, um, Shane Wright, Jacob Perot. Sure. I mean, definitely Trevor Zegris. And and then Drysdale Zellweger. I mean, are Terry and Milano still in the picture at that point? Uh, Milano definitely is not. Terry will be 30. I mean, Milano and Terry are similar aged. Milano's two years older. Well, he's 25 right now, but I think... Oh, also, speaking of ages... Uh Uh-huh. Do you want to celebrate? (laughs) What do I want to celebrate? Do you want to celebrate? Oh, God. Actually, yes. Would you like to celebrate? Actually... I just want to celebrate the fact that I got so many people reaching out on Jamie Drysdale's birthday, no longer 19 years old, no longer 19. Finally, we don't have to hear that anymore. Although I'm willing to bet I missed the games over the weekend, but I'm willing to bet that we're going to hear at some point. And he was just 19. The recent, you know, the, the now 20 year old, like the now 20 year old is going to be a, the new one, but 19 holds a special place in my heart. Um, and I will not miss it whatsoever. So yeah. And speaking happy of birthday, uh, Jamie Drysdale. Yeah. And Zellweger Drysdale would be the pairing. And speaking of Zellweger, the uh, thoughts go out to him. Hope he, hopefully he's uh, feeling yeah. better after that scary hit last night. Yeah. That's terrible. All right. So time for questions from our Twitch chat. So for those of you watching on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash bond, or on your listening on your favorite podcast services. We do a live stream of the show each and every time at 8 PM on Mondays, um, at twitch.tv slash crash bond, where you can like and subscribe to the show. If you hit the like button, I think it's actually, sorry, the follow button. You will get notified when we go live. If you subscribe, you have Amazon prime, you get one free Twitch prime, uh, sub each and every month. You get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name, and it helps out the show more than you can imagine. You can be just like Kempafu who resubbed for 28 months and Darko Theory who resubbed for 11 months. And Darko Theory added this. I hope Getzloff and Perry get a moment like Tabu and Jaguar did. Still one of the most memorable moments to end to the yeah. end of their careers. I feel also, like they, they might try to do that. Also, we should note with uh, Getzloff, he is not going to be playing that final road trip. His final game in the NHL will be that final home game. Yeah, good luck trying Which, to get tickets. Oh, I am going. Well, you have season. I will be there. Yeah, good and, on you. And so, yeah, excited. That will be assault. It's crazy. There's only two more home games left in the season. Wow. That is kind of crazy, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's kind of nuts. Um, all right. So, Sith Lord Buscemi asks, question, are the Ducks an analytics darling in free agency? Uh, I'm trying to think what that would mean. Do they pick up analytics, guys? Or oh, guys oh, that- oh. Okay. Like any, darlings oh, of the oh, analytics. Any. Oh, I thought you said, are they analytics darlings in free agency? Yeah. Are, oh, oh, I miss actually read this. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, are there any analytics darlings in free agency? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, let's see. Can I quickly pull up? Why don't I pull up free agents while you bring up other questions? Uh, Dalton Keys asks, does Getzloff's number retirement happen next season? Yes. Yeah. I don't Without think they're going to, I don't think they're going to wait uh, very yes. long. Yes. Uh, Lewis X two nine said best ballpark food, not including hot dogs, nachos, the the helmet nachos. So, okay. I saw the people in front of me had those and 
I don't know. They look kind of those look kind of gnarly. Oh, they're delicious. The 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 guac in them was like fluorescent. Oh, I I just get no guac. Oh, well of course you do. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Although Sour here cream. here you're actually correct though. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll we'll give you that. Yeah. But uh yeah, uh I would so say those helmet nachos. What's your best ballpark food not including hot dogs? Oh, that's really I okay, I had cracker jacks yesterday. First first time in probably over a decade. And they were great, but I feel like they, the ratio not overrated. That's that's sinful to say. Um, <laughs> but the the ratio of peanuts to like popcorn, I feel like, has gotten worse over the years. It needs to be closer to fifty fifty than like ninety ten. It's always been ninety ten. No, I don't think so. It's always been ninety ten. If memory serves, no. It's always been mainly popcorn and not many nuts. I disagree. Oh, analytics darling, uh, Patrice Bergeron. He's a free agent. He's going to the Habs, baby. Um, I mean, I think Andre Burakovsky could count as that. Yeah. I, I think certainly more than like a Dominique uh, Kubelik. Um, oh, God. Yeah. Remember no. remember that whole thing when the Ducks were linked? <laughs> you hated that. You hated that. I mean, it turned out to be not correct. Well, yeah. I mean, they were just linked. That yeah. loose... Term he- heavily heavily linked per Chicago beat writer. Yeah, no, I mean may- maybe, but probably I mean, not. Yeah, Anime Holics uh, D ninety four said that to the Eakins news make you want to grab the alcohol despite it being Monday night. Uh, no, no, I mean, it, it's it's just I don't know. Like it's like I've done this before. I know what to expect. The fourth um, year option makes me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, I think that knowing that now does make it more. I think if we had found out, because the original report, which we didn't even really talk about, was that they were signing him for at least another year. There was no mention of Oh, yeah. Option. It was like listed as extension also. Yes, exactly. And so I think now, so that would have been bad. That would have been, okay, you're choosing, I mean, you've seen this guy and you're choosing to, to bring him back uh, for more than a year. Now it's like, okay, well, it's it's kind of like a coin toss year anyway. So not as bad, but still still not what I would have done. Yep. Uh, let's see. DB Lowry said, how do the Ducks improve the appeal of the franchise to pr- prospective free agents and players after the Dadanoff situation? Uh, should the Ducks staff worry about becoming the American Winnipeg? No, I, I think the Dadanoff situation is specific to taxes because uh, all three California teams were on his no trade clause. So yeah. that was a very specific thing um, to Dadanoff wa- not wanting to deal with California taxes. And I don't think the Ducks are that. I think the Ducks are a place that players probably want to go. I, yeah. I don't think, like, Winnipeg players don't want to go there because taxes in Canada are high. Winnipeg's extremely cold. Yeah, and it's far from everything, as yeah. we've kind of. There's the found joke out. about there being no airports. Yeah, like, it's. I don't think, I don't think the Ducks are on track to become American Winnipeg. No. I think American Winnipeg is the Coyotes, if anything. I mean, the Ducks could have been on that track with Bob Murray over the last two years, and maybe that's why there hasn't been any roster change. But I think yeah. having Trevor Zegers here, I, I think Trevor Zegers makes player would make. I, I players think the the come. appeal of the franchise is going up. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Uh, Fat Geralt says, uh, "Question: Is Axel Anderson expected to crack the roster? How is he as a prospect? I don't hear much chatter about him. Me neither. Yeah, <laughs> I don't." I haven't heard a damn thing about him this year. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think John over at Defend the Nest talks him up, but everything that I've kind of seen is it doesn't seem like he's going to amount to really anything in the NHL. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. 
wouldn't spend too much thought there. Yeah, and that's I mean that's kind of what we expected when we saw him as part of that deal. Yeah, he's just a throw-in. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, a Taco Pie says, "Who are realistic free agent options?" Since you have it pulled up, uh, this is about <laughs> for you, Felix. Oh crap! Haverbeek said he wants to be aggressive in free agency. I honestly think he's gonna. I mean, this is now just a complete hunch, but I think yeah. with his understanding of aging curves, with everything he said, I could see him going for an offer sheet. I mean, yeah, we keep. I, has, I've, I've has keep, C-Vi- did Steve Weisman offer sheet anyone ever? I don't think so. Actually, did they offer sheet Braden Point? No. That was the Canadians and someone else. But anyway, might have been Detroit. I don't think so, though. Um, I mean, Kevin Fiala is the guy who keeps saying that they should offer sheet. Um, I don't know if that will happen just because NHL GMs don't really do. I mean, <laughs> offer sheets are still really rare. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think Burakovsky is an interesting guy. Um, he's 27. He doesn't have a crazy... A little bit like, older. A little bit older. But, I mean, that's that's how you improve the team, though. Yeah. Like, like there aren't free agents. There, there aren't UFAs that are twenty four. I mean, just offer sheet Matt Kachuk. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's happening. Like, my yeah, whole point I, is just that when you go into the pool of free agency, you're not getting guys in their prime. You're not getting, or you're not getting guys in the thick of their prime. You're getting them kind of on the exit ramp, and so like you just have to accept that. I mean, the guy that if you want to like if you want to play that game, the guy that you go all in for is Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah, like that, that's the guy who increases your ceiling the most for probably a longer period of time than anyone else, and is actually might actually be worth the money. Yep, uh, agreed. Um, let's see. I don't necessarily see any more questions, so so throw them in if you got them. But I think it's that time of the show, Felix. A little quick shit show portion. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, Zama City, Alberta. Zama. Zama. Oh God. Zama City, Alberta. Let, let's How is this see. a thing? I don't know. Don't uh, don't, don't blame me. Blame who, the listeners. Who, who found this? Uh, let's see. Who was it? It was Casey. Okay. Wow. This is this is very far north. This this is like the north. This is like the top left corner of Alberta. As there's just cackling in Jake's background. <laughs> um, it's because Salem's about to walk on screen and has a bag on her head and. My wife's in here laughing at her. I'm going to save her. Go Did, ahead, Felix. Okay. I, I don't know what to do here. Um, but yeah, Zama City, Alberta. It's basically in the Northwest Territories. It's pretty much the middle of nowhere. Might be worse than the middle of nowhere. I'm not really sure. But there are a couple things to look at. There's actually the Noralta Inn, which has a four, four out of five star rating on Google. Sorry, 4.2 out of, out of five. And we've actually got a review here from Rachel Cole. And this was written five months ago. A five-star review. She's a local guide. I don't know. How you, how do you achieve local guide on Google? It's just X amount of reviews. The picture of this is legitimately of just like... Uh, yeah, like an oil, oil field. Yeah. But so Rachel Cole, if you have any jobs around that area that requires worker housing, I can't recommend the Neralta more. They are equipped to handle full crews and they give them the care they need to rest up and get the job done. They provide meals and have great staff. So this is basically like an oil drilling town is what it seems like. But there is a library in the city or town, whatever you want to call it. Five five out of five stars, but there's only one review. I th- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call a small sample here. But shout out to the Zama Community Library. Yeah, shouts. Uh, Zabumafu Yukon. 
That can't be real. It I that actually can't be real. Zobu uh Google Maps can't Z- find it. Zabuma food? That isn't that a character? I don't know. From a Kenpa- child Ken- show? Kenpafu put it in our Discord and now he just uh, <laughs> I think he just wanted us to read that on the show. Wow. And he's wow. Wow. Yeah. I I don't yeah. Okay. I How I think, rude. I think How- how rude sullying the great name of this bit of the podcast. I mean, we call it shit show. I don't think you can really sully it any further than that. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess we'll just end with this then from the food channel. Appa AG mm-hmm. said potlucks are so hit or miss, but when they hit. Wait, what? Potlucks. Oh, potlucks? Are so hit or miss, but yeah. when they hit. Yeah, because people bring bad things. Also said barbecue beans with hot dogs. Yeah, I'm a fan of that. I think that's a okay. good move. Are okay. we talking about beans in the hot dog or on the side? Not sure. I think on the side is is a good is a good call. Um, Not a big barbecue beans guy. Oh, they're fine. Oh. I don't know. Oh. You have a lot of weird tastes. I feel like I get a lot of crap, but you. I mean, I say this routinely. <laughs> But you deserve the most. It's because I'm not ag- as aggressive. I just said I just said I'm not the biggest fan of barbecue beans. I didn't okay. say they're the. I I don't say they're like the worst thing in the world. Wait, okay, are barbecue beans like bush beans? Is that what yes. we're talking about? Okay, yes. yeah, those are good. Those are classic. They're fine. They're what? not the best. Well, sure. I mean, yeah, they're they're not the best, but they're good. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just still a little bummed out about my Angels Stadium hot dog experience. Was hoping you know? for more. Was hoping to have better news to report back. I mean, you could just be like Lou and just go get a Jersey Mike sub. Uh, yeah, I've never, I've never tried Jersey Mike's. Really, Jersey Mike's is delicious. I'm trying to be better about not down talking things I've never tried. <laughs> what, what were you about to say? I was going to say Jersey Mike's is trash, but <laughs> I've never tried it, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to be better about this. You know, it's we're in the new year. It's about self growth. You know, you're trying to you're trying to get better every day, and this it, is me doing. Is that. there a certain someone that's telling you that you should do this? It's just you know, it, it, it's coming from within, from the heart. It's important to okay to come from the heart. Okay, I, I see you. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Jersey Mike's is delicious. Yeah, I mean, I've never tried it, so I can't say one way or the other. The the Club Supreme roast beef, turkey, uh, bacon, okay. delicious. Turkey is not good. I've tried deli turkey, not good. Well, what it's it's actually one of the worst things i had a deli turkey sandwich for dinner tonight at home that's disgusting i I think it's so it was turkey ham mayo mustard i mean that doesn't like i would eat that if if i had to but deli turkey is just nasty like i'm sorry if you're gonna put turkey in there like get actual turkey meat don't not don't get the the deli cold cut this, just, this one's gonna good. get you this one's gonna get you ratioed <laughs> i mean someone out there has to agree with me on this like anyone who understands like food quality knows wait why is putting mayo and mustard a bat that's a great combination yeah mayo mustard's yeah. good lou's now calling me out jake lost me with putting mayo and mustard on no on that's fine yeah nothing wrong with that yeah it's just normal turkey meat yeah i mean if it was actually just normal turkey meat sliced I would believe that I, I would be fine with that, but it rarely is. It very rarely I is. I mean, that is literally what it is. Look, you have to look at the ingredients. <laughs> look at the ingredients. If there's anything outside of turkey, then it's then the answer to your question is no. 
So, yeah. You are so okay. What what's your top uh, lunch meat then? Lunch meat, roast beef, but like real good, not like the fake crap. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Is that so wrong? Okay. Roast beef is fine. The only times I like roast beef is when it's with. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, the the sandwich was turkey roast beef and bacon. Roast beef is the best one. Like if you're gonna go down that rabbit hole of of lunch meats, roast beef is is the Rolls Royce. It's the king. There's there's no competition. There is um no. You I can't Tur- believe you're dying on the turkey hill. Turkey is the staple. No, turkey sucks. You're wrong. Okay. We you're should wrong. probably we should probably get out of here. Um is there anything else? Oh, um oh, went to Disneyland yesterday. Shout out to Varluna. Thank you so much. Um realize that Mellow as an, day. realize as an adult the uh uh what is it the uh california adventure wine and cheese or wine and food festival is one of the best things ever oh just great beers are all beers all around lots of good food Ooh. had a strawberry cheesecake wife had a blueberry uh pie i just want to i just want to say I'm, I'm not ignoring you at all but ken Pafu has a great take in our uh in our why can't i get thing of the word twitch twitch chat I was discord caprice with prosciutto Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, so you're not crazy then. Mo- mozzarella, actually. Yeah, no, that is mozzarella. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot the Caprice <laughs> was mozzarella and tomatoes. I just do it no tomatoes then. Um, but yeah, happy that you had a good day, you know? Yeah. It, it, it was, it was great. You. Walking around, had a tiki time uh, wheat beer. Was delicious. Of course you did. Brisket fries. It, it was a great time. Great yeah. time. I was at the, we almost crossed paths. We were in the same city. Yes, yes. You could have said hi, but didn't hate the, me. Well, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't willing to spend like a million dollars for like three hours of entertainment. Um, um, you're being asked if you like gabagool. I don't know what that is. That's why I'm not <laughs> responding. I don't know what gabagool is. Is that bad? Is that bad I, that I don't know? I, I have Let me no idea. And when I see that word, I just think of gobbledygook, which is not not a food. I believe. I don't uh, think it's a food. Gabagool. What the hell is Gabagool? <laughs> this is the first thing that comes up on Google. What the hell is Gabagool, and why does Tony Soprano talk about it all the time? I Let's see. It's the New Jersey term for Capicola. Oh, I've actually never had Capicolo. I don't so, know what it is. Yeah, I've never had it, but uh, it looks good. There's actually an Italian deli across the street from me. So. There's an Italian deli within walking distance of me. It's delicious. Same. Could walk. Yeah. Might go this week. Who knows? Wow. Just too hit or miss, though. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw their name out because I don't want to damage their business. You know, with our, our powerful reach on this pod, but too hit or miss. <laughs> too hit or miss. That's all all right. I think that's probably gonna do. Never it for watched us. The Sopranos. Neither have I. Neither yeah. have I. Oh, okay. That makes you feel better. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's wrap up. This was a fun one. This was a. This was a, a weighty. A weighty one. Um. But if you enjoyed what you heard today. There is a few ways that you can support us, that you can help us We're keep this hate. thing going. Are we? Yeah. Why? Oh, the For Sopranos the, thing? Yeah, the Sopranos thing. I, I don't think it's a big deal, but I, I think that about a lot of things, though. <laughs> so I don't know. I, Jake, you're on your own here. Welcome <laughs> to my world, I guess. A um, couple ways you can support us. Uh, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash crash the pond. Uh, for $1 a month, you get access to our patrons-only Discord server, 
It's a ton of fun. Uh, you get to bond and connect with other diehard Ducks fans or not diehard. Maybe you're just new and trying to learn. It's a really fun community where we talk about very trades, welcoming, very welcoming trades, games, the draft, everything. But we also have different channels, so it's not limited to hockey. We have a channel just to discuss food and our crazy food opinions. We have a general chat, which has basically become the baseball chat as of late. Completely fine. So check that out. It's for a dollar a month, $5 a month. You get access to that and two bonus episodes. So on those, we'll do more league-wide topics. We'll do rankings, be a bit more unfiltered than maybe we are on the show. That's for $5. And then there is an additional super tier of $15, which we really, really appreciate if you can make that happen. Now, you don't have to pledge any money though to support the show. Um, in fact, you can spend maybe, I don't know, two minutes, just search us on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review. It goes a really long way. It helps us kind of keep climbing up, keep adding to this show. And we just love to hear from you guys. Um, you can also find us on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, really. We're also on YouTube. Uh, check us out, youtube.com slash crash the pond. You can see the video version of the show. Um, and make sure to subscribe there and also turn on the notifications and also make sure to comment. Let us know what you think about our, our crazy takes here at the very end. Uh, love, love seeing the YouTube comments. Also make sure to check out our website, crashthepond.com. We've got articles going up there, but also we've got a shop crashthepond.com slash shop. Another way for you to rep your favorite team and also rep your favorite podcasts. Um, you can get t-shirts, hoodies. We've got stickers which Jake is displaying proudly here. That's the giant one, but there's different sizes. We've got them in different colors as well. We've got the eggplant and jade, but we've also got the orange and black. So we, you can put it on whatever you'd like. If you get a sticker, please take a picture and tag us at Crash the Pond on Twitter. We've also got coffee mugs now. So again, same thing. You can get them in either color and uh, let, let us see how you're enjoying your, your favorite warm drink slash coffee in the morning. We'd love to see that. That's at crashthepond.com slash shop. I've already mentioned on Twitter at crash the pond. Also on Facebook, Jake is on Twitter at, at reindeer games 91. And I am on Twitter at Felix underscore. Sicard. that is going to do it for the show tonight, everyone. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye.